paying the cost to be the boss. On today's episode of Champagne Problems, we're discussing some of the entertainment industry's most iconic and controversial managers. My thoughts on the late Joe Jackson and his legacy he leaves behind. And I'll also be sharing my personal favorite list of my favorite managers of all time. From the mother of reality television to the masterminds behind two supergirl groups. And later, my champagne toast goes to a child of destiny. And find out why my champagne roast just might include you. All that and more. So pop your bottle and grab your glass. Champagne Problems starts now. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Champagne Problems. I am your boy and your host, Nico. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Uh, This is episode eight. So we're officially at two months now. Um, Today's episode uh, is titled Hashtag Boss. We're just talking about the different uh, managers and most iconic managers in the entertainment industry um and i'm sharing some of my favorite ones um before i get into everything you know i gotta do my shameless plugs make sure you guys follow me on social media uh my instagram is official underscore nico n-i-c-h-o that's a at official underscore nico my twitter is at official underscore nico one the number one um, also, don't forget to um, follow me on Apple Music at Champagne Problems 1, the number one. Um, you can get today's playlist, this week's playlist, um, as well as past episodes. This playlist theme, uh, since I'm talking about different managers, uh, particularly a few that are in music, I'm going to be playing, um, obviously, music by the artists that they manage. So, uh we're going to get right into it. We're going to get into the nitty gritty. So stay tuned. All right. So let's get right into it. We're going to get down to the nitty gritty. So we got to start by. Uh, talking about, of course, Mr. Joe Jackson. Um, today, I actually found out um, while I was at work today that uh, Joe Jackson has passed away. He passed away Tuesday night. Um, I guess he had a long battle of, uh, I believe, pancreatic cancer. Um, I actually had no idea about this, but I was reading some stories online, though. I guess this has been going on a long time, uh, well, quite a while anyway, and it was terminal, and I guess a lot of his um, family members and friends and things have been coming to the hospital within the last week and saying their goodbyes and things like that, so I, like I said, I didn't know, I don't know if I've heard this in the news before that this was going on, but um, I didn't have a topic today, to be honest with you guys. 
And when I was on my way home, I'm like, okay, what am I going to talk about tonight? And when I saw the story about Joe Jackson, I was like, man, I got to talk about it. Um, Only because when I was reading through some stories, a lot of the reports were didn't really focus a lot on his death. It was or his legacy, rather. It was kind of like. I don't know. I don't know how you can be like, oh, you know, our, our thoughts and prayers go out to the Jackson family. But then in the same article column, you know, all these different names and bring up past, you know, accusations and even things that were true and whatever. I just feel like people were just digging up a lot of dirt, um, which I feel like was a bit inappropriate. Um, and so it made me think about how there has been some really iconic uh, masterminds, you know, behind certain movements in entertainment, whether it be artists or actors or whatever the case is. And, you know, no one's perfect, and every manager, of course, has some good and some bad, like any other human being. And so I kind of wanted to touch on some of my favorite managers and what I felt like their strength and their weaknesses were and just like their legacy Um, because I feel like sometimes that gets overshadowed by certain things which we'll talk about that as well Um, but with Joe Jackson you know I have to say I sort of um, have a soft spot for his story um, simply because as I've mentioned in recent uh, episodes or previous episodes You know, I do live in Indianapolis, Indiana, and I'm originally, I was born and raised in Indiana. I was born in a small town in northern Indiana called Michigan City. Michigan City is about maybe 45 minutes away from Gary, Indiana, which is where the Jacksons are from. So there's a lot of, um, I guess, familiarity with... uh, with the Jackson family and their their roots and their upbringing, you know, um, Joe Jackson worked for the steel mill. My, uh, you know, my grandmother actually way way back in the day um, worked for the steel mill. I, you know, um, and just because I, you know, I sort of know the streets of Gary. Gary, as I said, was about forty five minutes away from my my hometown of Michigan City, so about the length of probably a lot of your commutes if you live in a metro area I mean literally from maybe going from a downtown metro area to the suburb in your city um it's about the distance from my town from Gary so you know the Jacksons of course are a huge deal all over the world but they really are a big deal um in my neck of the woods just because such an iconic family came out of such a small town and Gary is Gary is like to compare it to something. It's like Compton <laughs> and uh, what's a place maybe on the East Coast like you know uh, what is it where Jay Z is from? Is it? Uh, I know he's from Brooklyn, but what's the? Is it Marcy Projects or something like that? It's kind of that all wrapped in one like Gary at one point had the highest crime rate in America Gary is only about that big so it was just that was really interesting to me that that's what kind of city it was um so the fact that this man really 
had a vision for his family and brought them out of that type of environment um, to where this family is now is just, it's it's amazing in itself. Um, Because when you really think about it, you know, Gary is one of those places that a lot of people, if you stay behind once you get grown, meaning if you don't move, a lot of times you either end up on drugs, in prison, uh, either with a bunch of children, or dead, and sometimes a combination. Uh, well, obviously you can't be dead and on drugs or dead and in prison, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, but so the fact that, like I said, he had a vision. Um, and he saw better for his family. You really have to commend him for that. Um, you know, he took his sons. I believe it started with um, Jermaine, Tito, and Randy, maybe. And then once Marlon and Michael got older, he added them to the, the lineup. And then that's when they became the Jackson 5. Um, it's just so interesting, their story. Because, you know, it, it's... He just taught them hard work and discipline and, you know, he rehearsed them over and over and over again and made sure they were a polished act. I think what's fascinating about Joe, as um, some other managers, too, that we'll get to, is that they didn't have any experience in the music industry. You know, as I said before, Joe worked for the steel mill. Um, So the fact that he worked for the steel mill and never had any training as far as like management or you know any of that is is amazing that he's gotten them to the place where he has um i read somewhere their first jackson five's first album um which i guess it was called diana ross presents the jackson five why it was called that why she I, i don't know but anyway i mean i know they were signed to motown and blah 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 but I don't really know the whole story. Forgive me for that, for you, like, super fans of the Jacksons. Um, But that album sold 10 million copies in 10 months. And we're talking about back in the day, which I believe was either in the 60s or the 70s. Um, But the fact that, uh, first of all, an album selling 10 million copies... In less than a year is amazing now then and in between um and so they really made a huge impact um and of course we all know you know they broke off and michael became a solo artist and 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 later we we got janet um it, it's just really you know, I know I keep saying it over and over again, but it, it's just really amazing where they come from. I, I, I just, I really, that resonates with me just because, as I said, I'm from the neck of the woods. So to see the possibilities, um, uh, it, it's just, it's, it's really something. Um, it's just a really inspiring story. Now, <laughs> on another note, Joe's delivery was not the greatest and his methods were not the greatest of how he went about doing things. And, you know, I do want to talk a little bit about that. 
Um, just because I, I, I decided I wanted to talk about the good and the bad when it came to these managers. But, um, you know, we all have heard the reports and seen the interviews about him being extremely strict and abusive and things like that. Um, I, I think he, I really think he meant well. I just think that um, he didn't know any better, you know? And it could be the way he grew up. I read somewhere that he grew up in a very strict household. Uh, he actually comes from, you know, a good background. I was reading that Joe Jackson's father was a professor, I think. Uh, so he was an educator. And um, I don't remember what his mother did, but... Um, you know, so he comes from, you know, a family that also had to have a vision in those times. And, um, you know, I've seen the interviews with, with Michael and Janet. You know, I particularly remember an interview with, with Michael that he did where he kind of described some of the way the beatings were. And that, you know, they would get beat for missing steps during rehearsals and bad notes and you know things like that and you know these were kids um so I, I don't agree with that and I do think that you know I hate to label people but I do think that he was a bit of a child abuser um but you know that doesn't negate the fact that you know he's an amazing visionary um I think the most fascinating thing about him to me and on the I guess on the negative side of things is how he didn't allow his children to call him dad that they had to call him Joe. So <laughs> I think they called him Joe, so I don't even know if they called him Joe. Um and that is so bizarre to me. Um my mother, you know, actually doesn't call my grandmother mom. She calls her by a nickname that uh, the family has for her. But my grandmother was had never said, like, you know, you can't call me mom. You have to call me this name. So I don't know. That's just so interesting to to hear. Um, and, you know, as far as the abuse thing, like, I get it. Like, there is... I believe in discipline, and I I believe in physical discipline to a certain degree. Um, but I also feel like it there's it could really go f into child abuse in a heartbeat. Like it's really a very fine line. Um, I think the biggest difference is I remember my grandmother always says it's like, you know discipline the difference between discipline and abuse is discipline is you're really doing something out of trying to teach the child something but abuse is when you're angry and uh, my grandmother has this rule she always says that you know parents should not dis physically discipline their children when they're angry um, because when you're angry you know you could that's where that's where abuse comes into play and you could hurt the child and all of that, and I remember reading stories of, you know, about the Jacksons, about how, you know, he put the boys in pretty bad shape growing up from a physical standpoint, um, 
and that's kind of that's sad um, in that sense and I mean and I don't like how do I want to say I guess I do believe in a little of course physical discipline but I don't know to me I think it should just be very minimal like I just say like I was a really good kid but I got a lot of whoopings. <laughs> like, I think I got whooped more than kids that probably deserved them. Um, and I guess I could say, like, oh, you know, it, it, it kept me in line. And that's why I was a good kid. But on the flip side, it was like, really? <laughs> because I did. I felt like I got hit on for everything. And I did not grow up with a child abuser, let me say that. Um, but... I don't know. I think it could just definitely go too far, you know. I have to say, I, I, my mother kept it to a belt, uh, you know. I, I didn't go through, you know, all these random objects, extension cords, or making, uh, you know. I, I grew up with friends who said their parents would make them go get wet, like get in water before they got whooped. Like that is child abuse. Um, I don't care who it came from. That is child abuse. Um, you know, I will say I do have one permanent mark on my leg from a whooping when I was a kid. Um, but I remember my mother was super upset. I don't remember what it was about. and But I remember her apologizing because she felt so bad um, for hitting me that hard. So, but that's what I mean when things just go too far. Um... And, you know, back in that time when the Jacksons were growing up, I'm sure that was going on in every household, a black household especially. Uh, so it really wasn't something that was out of the norm. But, you know, I do think, of course, it caused a lot of psychological damage. I mean, just saying, you know, it's called a spade a spade. The Jacksons are probably the weirdest family on the fucking planet. Uh, they are the most bizarre people I've ever seen um and I think a lot of that has to do with their upbringing I mean they were they were you know in a physically and I believe sort of emotional abusive situation did he have a vision did he see something in them that would you know change the course of their lives absolutely so it's just sort of that you know that balance of taking the the bad with the good. Um, I'm curious to know, I guess, like how um, how his kids feel, you know, because I speaking for myself, if I grew up with someone that was kind of abusive in that way, um, whether they got me to superstardom or not, I probably would be very still a bit afraid of them. And still sort of look at them as like the abuser. Excuse me, the abuser. So sometimes I wonder, like I know Janice said in an interview a few years back that, you know, her and Joe are not close. Um, so I wonder with some of them when he passed, was it kind of like, like a relief, like it's over? Or is it that thing where you have... Um, Oh, what is it called? It's like this therapist term. 
it's like uh, oh I can't remember what it's called but it's something euphoria and it basically like when something tragic happens or something ends it's like all of a sudden you can only remember the great things about that person like a relationship like when you get out of a really nasty breakup and then once you're broken up um, it's like all those good things start coming back of the, the relationship. And it's kind of like, why did I leave? It was so good. If I have all these good memories, why did I leave? But it's, uh, I can't remember the term right now. But anyway, um, I wonder just where their head is with the whole situation. Because I don't know, that's a lot. Like, it's, I feel like it will be mixed emotions of somebody who, like, gave you such a life uh, but kind of made it hell along the way so I, I don't know you know because also I know he was very controlling you know I remember Janice saying how she didn't even want to be a singer she wanted to be an actress if she was going to be in entertainment but then she didn't even want to be in entertainment she wanted to be a lawyer um, so that's interesting to me as well um, of course, I, I know she probably doesn't regret that that all that happened, but it's just so interesting how, like, a parent can just kind of, like, take control of your life as an adult. And um, I don't know. That's just really interesting to me. But I guess all I really had to say about Joe is just that, you know, in spite of all the craziness and all the things that people have to say um, about him, he, he has left a legacy on this earth that I don't know if anyone will ever match. Um, you know, he has, you know, been the foundation of the of music royalty. You know, he's not produced just one, but two icons in, in music. And that's very rare, um, very rare. And to be black and they've just transcended over, you know, it's, you know, people love the Jacksons. I don't care what color, age, whatever. You know, and it's just so fascinating to me how someone who is 90 years old um, all the way to someone who's two knows something about the Jacksons, knows a song or, or something like that. That is so fascinating to me. Um, but, you know, they, they have created such a an amazing legacy so um i'll close this by saying you know rest in peace to joe jackson and my thoughts and prayers are uh you know to the family and um yeah i just think he deserves some respect in that and you know when it comes to that of what he's done um so I wanted to talk about kind of like some of my favorite who I feel like are iconic, you know, managers in the business and kind of discuss some things. Um, and so it got me thinking about more so these day and times. Um, and that's Kris Jenner. Of course, you know, Kris Jenner is the mother of the Kardashian clan. Uh, and she is. There's a common thread between a lot of great managers, I feel, and one of them is just that um, they have vision. They have such a great vision for their family 
or for their whoever they're managing. And I they I find also something that they share is heavy criticism. Um you know, Chris Jenner is someone who from my understanding was pitching a reality show about her children, or her family rather, to networks. And then the infamous sex tape of Kim and Ray J was leaked. Some argue that it was not leaked and that it was done on purpose for publicity, for to get the show and to make the show popular and all of that. I can't say that I agree with that. Um, but she took that situation and has spun it into such a... I mean, just beyond amazing situation. I mean, they have been on television 10 years. And it's funny because I just, I I never really thought that that they would be such long lasting, uh, such a long lasting thing in pop culture, you know? Um, Because, you know, you've seen people come and go, you know, and they were a bit, they reminded you when they first came out of like a family of heiresses, you know, of I was a big fan of the whole Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie moment with The Simple Life and that whole moment in, in pop culture of like, you know, the heiress and things. But like, I thought that the Kardashians would be another moment like that of, you know, two or three years tops and kind of just fade away. But the fact that they have just branded themselves in a way that has make that makes them bigger and bigger and more profitable each year lets me know that Chris is the mastermind behind it all. And I just love how strategic she did everything. You know, it's like she started with Kim because Kim got so much attention because of the tape. And she worked Kim and then it was just kind of like this domino effect and it just trickled down through the family and you know Chloe and Courtney were on board and then at first it was just about the the boutiques dash and you know all of that and then it became you know just such a monster you know now we're we're looking at you know, the Jenner girls, Kendall and Kylie, um, who are extremely wealthy and, and profitable and have had great lucrative, you know, businesses going on. And it's just so interesting how they have, they've all, you know, have become household names, have these amazing lucrative companies. And they're just continuing to soar. Um, and it all started with, honestly, a sex tape at a reality show. So it's it's just funny, again, of how, you know, the possibilities are just endless. Um, of course, but, you know, Chris gets a lot of criticism. You know, of course, the family in general gets very, very heavy criticized, heavily criticized. You know, they call all the girls whores and... You know, all that good stuff. But, um, 
one thing that I can't stand that I, I hear a lot about Chris is that she pimps her kids out. Um, I don't think Chris, first of all, they came from money. So Chris is not in a situ- was not in a situation, I feel, to um, use her kids to get them out of a situation. Um, I don't think they, ha- they don't have a rags to riches story like the Jacksons. Um, and so I, I just hate that criticism, you know, that she's this money hungry, power hungry, you know, monster that's, you know, all she cares about is her, her money and her, her 10, 20% or whatever. I just don't believe that. I think Chris is just someone, she's a mom that wants to set her kids up for success. She found out what their passions were and she turned them into a profit. And I think that has to be respected, you know? Do I agree with everything that has gone down in their family and how they've handled things? No. However, you know, Christina deserves a lot of respect. She's turned an entire family into moguls and not for nothing. Listen, she deserves people to get off her back. You know, her her once Olympic uh, champion husband is now, uh, excuse my is an old tranny. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, cut the girl some slack. Um, I'm just saying. So, you know. I shout out to Chris Jenner. I've always loved Chris Jenner. I think she is just, I really think she's a genius. I really do. Um, when you can set up your family for generations, I'm interested in seeing what's going to happen with the next generation. You know, Kim, Chloe, and Courtney's children. And Rob, so I guess Rob does have a kid now too. But yeah, I'm interested in knowing what's going to happen with those kids and what we'll see in the future because sometimes I'm like wow I wonder if eventually they'll be on reality TV like their own spinoffs or or their lines of whatever you know so who knows but I definitely will be tuned in and on the rise so shout out to Kris Jenner and the Kardashian family um another manager I wanted to talk about was I could not, could not do this type of subject without talking about Mr. Matthew Knowles. Um, <laughs> now, now we're getting ready to slide into a little territory of someone who I, I have mixed feelings about. You know, I have a lot of respect for Joe Jackson, and I adore Chris Jenner. Matthew, on the other hand, is odd because I love what he produced. But I'm really just not a fan of him. Um, And I have my reasons, and I'm going to share them. But first, we'll talk about the good. I mean, obviously, you know, Matthew is behind Destiny's Child. Um, You know, he was another one. Had no experience in the music industry. Um, Wanted to see his... His daughter um, pursued her dreams and did anything, did what he felt was necessary to make it happen. 
Um, obviously, we know Destiny's Child is one of the biggest selling girl groups of all time. Of course, it produced the megastar Beyonce out of the situation. Um, you know, of course, obviously, his daughter, Solange, who was not in Destiny's Child, is also a, a big star in her own right. Um, he's done a lot of smart things. You know, I think a lot of people... I think a lot of people don't give Matthew credit for, uh, oh, good timing with the songs. Um, I think what people don't give Matthew a lot of credit for is what he did with Destiny's Child and R&B music. Um, And even Destiny's Child in general. Destiny's Child was really responsible for making R&B as international as it is now and I I know some people probably will argue with that but you know Disney's Child was going into countries that R&B music wasn't a big thing until they became an act so I, I think you know we have to give Matthew credit for that like he created you know an amazing legacy, you know, when it comes to Destiny's Child. Um, I, I like the sacrifices that he made. One thing I like about his his story is that he was not abusive or someone who was just pushing, pushing his pushing the girls because he was trying to get out of his own, get out of a situation. Um, he believed that hard work and rehearsing and and polishing his act, much like Joe Jackson, and I think he took a lot after Barry Gordy, probably more than anybody. Um, but I think the problem that I have with Matthew is that he's a snake. <laughs> um, you know, he happens to be one of those managers that just cannot be trusted. You know, and the problem I think I had the most with Matthews from the very beginning. And, of course, a lot of that I didn't know until, you know, down the line. But, you know, um, for you big, big Destiny's Child fans out there. So, for the first couple of albums, there was a um, a gospel song on the first and second album, the self-title and the writings on the wall. Um, and both of them were dedicated, if you look at the track listing, um, it says in parentheses, dedicated to Andretta Tillman, I believe is her name. Um, and they called her Miss Anne. And a lot of people may not know who that is or whatever, but she was their original manager. Um, I think what a lot of people don't know is that Matthew did not discover Destiny's Child, so to speak. Um, uh, Beyonce was discovered by two women who wanted to put her in a, a group, which was girls' time. Um... And she became sort of the lead. But this was way before Matthew's involvement. And Latavia was in the group as well. Um, 
and Kelly as well was in Girls Time. Um, so this is before Matthew was ever involved. Um, and the story gets a bit dark because the woman in Dreda Tillman is actually, she, she passed away many years ago. Um, but she was their manager and Matthew sort of came in and uh, kind of bamboozled her out of the management role. And Dreda Tillman, I believe, had lupus maybe. And that was how she passed away. Um, and I don't know, Matthew just did a lot of underhanded kind of things, allegedly, to gain full control of the group. Um, he was co-manager, but he kind of just slowly eased Andretta Tillman out of the situation. Um, Matthew's issue, I feel like he is greedy. Matthew to me just has that that greed kind of demeanor or attitude or whatever you want to call it. And uh, I feel like that has really been his biggest downfall. Um, and then of course the bigger one, the biggest one I feel is that you know, there was favoritism. Um, I believe, and as much as I love Destiny's Child, and, you know, I love all the girls, of course, if, you know, y'all know me, y'all know that. I, I, you know, I love past members, the new ones, whatever. I love Destiny's Child. Um, I never felt like Matthew ever had anyone's best interest but Beyonce. Um, Matthew only cared about Beyonce in the situation, and everybody else was just sort of there along for the ride. Um, I, and that showed when everyone went solo, you know, um, although they have great careers, in my opinion, Kelly and Michelle, I think that, you know, their careers really suffered and didn't get off the ground the way they should have and I don't think it was just because the audience preferred Beyonce I think that they were not pushed and given the same amount of attention as Beyonce was when they all went solo um, and so I've always had an issue with Matthew concerning that um, and then of course of how the whole thing went down with the original members you know, I know a lot of people talk that shit about Latoya and Latavia and all of that, but I do believe they were completely done wrong in that situation. Um, I do think that he, you know, in the beginning they were blamed for being difficult and, oh, they need to be grateful for the opportunity they have and this and this and that. But then, you know, it kind of came all out later that, you know, they were right. And I'm like, you know, he favored Beyonce. Kelly, I feel like, only got good treatment, not because he favored her as well, but it's just because she lived in the household with him. And, you know, Latoya and Latavia just kind of got the short end of the stick. And I think when they challenged him about it, that caused the issues. And, you know, in turn, they were, you know, booted out. Um... 
And just the way all of that went down, you know, the fact that they were, you know, I'm sure y'all know the story by now, but even the fact that they didn't even know they were replaced or out of the group until watching a music video with two new girls in it, like, that's grimy. Um, like, he was just, to me, kind of like this old-school, ruthless, you know, kind of manager. Um, you know, and of course, Destiny's Child just was just like this non-stop success train, no matter what was going on. Um, so, you know, it it is kind of... Excuse me, kind of a catch-22. Um, the sense of, like, you know, the group kept going. They didn't self-destruct. And, you know, they stayed on track. But it was just a lot of shady stuff that was done, you know, behind the scenes. And so, excuse me, I think that is Matthew's biggest downfall. Um was just that whole situation and then later he was you know after an investigation was done found out he was stealing from Beyonce you know uh, allegedly during I think it had something to do with the tour he had more share of the tour profits than he was supposed to and all so it all just kind of came out later that I'm like okay you're the person that everyone's been trying to make you out to be from jump and then the saddest part of everything is even though he's built such a great legacy um, I feel like now his his legacy is overshadowed by all this ratchet drama that he got himself into within the last, I guess, five or six years. Like, bruh, you wait to get 60 to have not one, but two children, allegedly, um, by two different women that are younger than you. And, you know, both were while you were still married to Miss Tina. Shout out to Miss Tina. I'm so glad that she divorce his tacky ass and marry someone else married her a little zaddy <laughs> and she was living her best life dropped her some weight looking all snatched and uh she's out here living her best life and i i'm so glad because i feel like she was unhappy for such a long time i watched this um speech she gave at some sort of like women's conference or something a few years ago and I kind of got a chance to hear her story her side of things and I'm like you know she's been unhappy since Beyonce was born so like that's in her marriage so the fact that she stuck it out for the sake of the vision for the family and everything like shout out to her like women do so much um you know to please other people and and all of that so Tina deserves the world for the rest of her life, honestly, because to put up with his ass, I'm just saying. Um, yeah, so that's that about Matthew. Um, <laughs> I don't even want to talk about him anymore. The last manager I want to talk about um, is one that doesn't get talked about a lot, um, and she deserves a, a lot of credit, and I kind of have an unpopular opinion of her. And I just kind of want to get into that. Um, and that is the manager of, well, the original manager of Supergroup TLC. That is Perry Pebbles Reed. So Pebbles is a singer from the 80s, for you, those of you who didn't know. So a lot of people don't know that, um, that Pebbles didn't just manage TLC. Before she managed them, she actually had a career of her own in the late 80s. 
Um, she sings a song called Mercedes Boy and Girlfriend. Those are probably her two biggest hits. Um, I fucking love Pebbles. Like, I don't know why. I love Pebbles. I love the music. I love, I just love me some Pebbles. Um, but I have to say, like, my opinion, I don't think is really biased. Um, I, of course, Pebbles was married to L.A. Reid. Um, and L.A. Reid had, you know, the company LaFace with Babyface. And Pebbles went out to find a girl group. She went to put a girl group together. The story is she found three girls. It was T-Boz, Left Eye, and this other girl named Crystal. I mean, y'all saw the damn biopic. Um, the other girl didn't work out. She was replaced with Chili. And they became, you know, the group that we, you know, know as TLC. Um, of course, they have sold so many records. But, of course, the biggest thing about TLC that we probably think about uh, as far as controversies, they went through a bankruptcy. And it was just very public. And Pebbles just sort of took the fall for all of that. And so I kind of wanted to break that down um, and just how I feel about that. Um I feel like you have to know the business to understand why I have the opinion that I have. When it comes to, you know, like I stated earlier about how the whole like Matthew Knowles and Latoya and Latavia of Destiny's Child, I am team Latoya and Latavia. But I have to say, in Pebbles versus TLC, I'm team Pebbles in this situation. Um, and I love TLC, love their music, you know, the whole thing. But I feel like they're not as victimized as they're making themselves out to be. Well, I take that back. They were victimized, but they were not victimized by pebbles. I think they were victimized by everyone else. But they were led to believe that they were victimized by her. And that's kind of what I have a problem with. Um, I mean, to give a quick breakdown of just how this situation worked with TLC. Um... So Pebbles signed TLC to her production company, Pebbletone. They signed a deal with LaFace. LaFace had a joint deal with Arista Records. Arista is tied to the distributor, BMG. So you have one, two, three, four sort of you have four entities that are taking a piece of the pie. And you have three girls. Um, that was the first problem. They were signed to too many situations. Um, so I will put Pebbles at fault with that. They were signed to just kind of too many deals. Um, on top of that, they, you know, they were signed a production deal and, you know, a management agreement. So really, you know... They're like five deals, five agreements, or rather five contracts. So they, they had a lot going on. Um, also, I think the issue with Pebbles in this situation, another, I guess, fault, is that Pebbles, I think, was controlling in the sense that she wanted her vision to be executed in the way she wanted to and so when you have such a vision and you 
are very sure of it, you don't, you have an issue with bringing other people in it because you don't want anyone to kind of mess with the formula or dilute your vision. And I think that was her thing where she kind of kept a lot of people out. And the problem, the way that backfired is because when things went south, it was kind of all thrown on her. Um, and like I said, so when she, she was only their manager for the first album. Let's start there. And after kind of getting a bit of a rundown of kind of how their deal was, it sounds like it was a 360 deal or something similar to a 360 deal. What we now know is a 360 deal. Um, meaning I think she kind of had a piece of a bit of everything. Um, and I think what sucks is they had that classic story of just like the conquer and divide thing. And what I mean by that is like they went platinum first album, they were successful, and then they didn't receive money that they felt like they should have gotten. Instead of talking to Pebbles about it, I feel what happened was they complained to everyone else, as people tend to do, and the outside people, outside meaning outside of Pebbles, got in TLC's ear and was like, yeah, you should drop her. And I don't think it was advice given out of love and and you know anything genuine i think it was advice given to um to enlarge their portion of the pie and i feel like tlc just got tricked um because here's my thing and i, I mean what happened was there was something that was done some sort of like legal maneuver to where after the first album they were able to take TLC from Pebbles. So she had nothing to do with the second album or anything after the first album. However, a contract is a contract. So even though they were able to sort of kick Pebbles to the side, contractually she was still making money from them. And they went on to do their second album, Crazy Sexy Cool, which you know, they're, you know, their highest sellers out, highest selling album, sold I mean millions and millions of copies. And then the big controversy comes then, where they felt they did not get, they got fifty thousand dollars a piece out of generating seventy five million dollars from that album. Now. How Pebbles became the culprit in that, I don't know. I, I just feel like a lot of people do not use common sense. If she was not a part of anything after the first album, that means she had nothing to do with Crazy Sexy Cool. So you mean to tell me the person that was supposedly taking your money, you got rid of, then you went on to make 75, generate $75 million, you brought home 50 a piece, and she's still the problem? That doesn't make sense. 
So then they filed bankruptcy. And my opinion is they filed bankruptcy not because they were necessarily broke, broke, but I, I think it's just an old school way to break contracts. They were still under Pebbles contract. And so I think they filed bankruptcy to really get rid of Pebbles contractually as well. But then Pebbles was like, ha ha, I got something for that ass. You, gonna, you think you're getting ready to break out of my contract? I'm getting ready to sue y'all. And I, the amount is still a bit like fuzzy, but word on the street is that back in like 95, after she sued them, that she walked away with 10 million. Um, and in that agreement, the TLC name was sold back was sold to TLC because Pebbles owned the name and that Pebbles officially had nothing to do with TLC or would profit from them. Um, and they went on to continue to be, you know, managed under L.A. Reed and Arista and, you know, Clive and all of that. And I just feel like, come on, y'all, use your comments, use your brains. Like, one thing people said in an interview that I, I never forgot it stuck with me is that she said she had a conglomerate that was against her that wanted an asset, the asset being TLC, and they took it. That stuck with me because you have to understand, we're talking about a woman of color being the only woman at the table and being a woman of color, and you're dealing with L.A. Reid and executives from Arista and Clive Davis and the, the, the distributors and executives, all of that, with a multi-million dollar generating group. And the person that's responsible and behind all of that is a woman of color. You know all those middle-aged white men was like, how do we get rid of this bitch? And that's what they did. Um... Because let's be serious. Let's just talk about let's just talk about the crazy sexy cool money. Seventy five million dollars generated. Do you think out of Pebbles, LA Reed, Babyface, Clive Davis, and BMG the distributor? Out of seventy five million dollars and the girls only got fifty thousand dollars apiece. Do you honestly think that the rest of that money or the bulk of that money went to Pebbles? Come on. You know Clyde had everything to do with getting most of that money. Let's be very clear. Come on now. And I just hate that's the situation with TLC and Pebbles because I feel like they dog her out so bad. Um... And I just feel like, you know, she really deserves a lot of respect. She put those girls on the map. She spent hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars before anyone ever saw TLC. Then they get put on, make a little success. They don't feel like they get what they deserve. And they let outside people come in, talk that talk, and they kick her to the curb. And she has been, had such a bad reputation for the last 20-something years that she's a snake and a fraud and that, you know, she's a thief and all of this. And I just think it's just really unfair. Like, I think Pebbles is truly, and she will not let you forget. If you watch any 
any uh, interview with Pebble, she says she calls herself a visionary at least once every couple of minutes. It's actually really funny, but I, I like Pebbles a lot. But um, I just feel like she does not get the credit she does. Pebbles belongs in the category with the Matthew Knowles, Joe Jackson, Barry Gordy, all those people. Pebbles has created a a phenomenal music legacy. Uh, besides the fact I read L.A. Reid's book, Pebbles is also responsible for a really almost the majority of the Atlanta music scene. It was her idea to move to Atlanta to start LaFace. You know, they wanted to start LaFace, but it was her idea to move to Atlanta to do it. She was responsible for the introduction of um, Outkast. So with no Pebbles, there would be no Outkast. Um, And she helped laid the foundation for LaFace, and LaFace, as we know, set the blueprint of Atlanta's music scene today. Atlanta was not a music town until LaFace came to the city, and Pebbles is probably responsible for a lot of those introductions. I read the book, L.A. Reese gives a lot of credit to her for a lot of introductions and things that she made. She did not have necessarily a title at LaFace, but she's responsible for a lot of... um, she was kind of a connector, and she's really the reason why a lot of people in the Atlanta music industry are working to this day. And I just think that she deserves much more credit than that she gets. But, you know, the media kind of, you know, holds on to a story, and, you know, they just run with it. So, But that's really my my opinion about uh pebbles in the whole TLC situation um so yeah those are the four managers that I want to talk about um I just think that they all have a common thread when it comes to um you know having a vision and determination and being a bit strict maybe and controlling and then on the flip side I feel like they all get a they've all had a heavy amount of criticism some deserve, some not, but either way, they've definitely received it. Um, and I think that's really all I have to say about that. Um, this week is a little different. It was a little more laid back. I'm just kind of, you know, I wanted to definitely t- touch on the subject of managers, seeing how Joe Jackson passed away. Um, because I knew I'm pretty passionate about this subject, I decided this week that we're going to not do a reality recap. Because we running kind of long as it is. Um, so I'm actually just going to come back to you with my champagne toast and my champagne roast. So stay tuned. All right. So we're going to get into my champagne toast. My champagne toast, I'm so excited, goes to former uh, Destiny's Child member uh, and solo artist, actress Latoya Luckett. Um, She announced that she is pregnant. Um, Some of you may know she recently got married. Um, I cannot think of that man's name, nor do I really care. But um, (laughs) 
she is having a baby. So I'm very excited. She is the last of the original Destiny's Child members to um, be having a child. So all the four original girls will, are, will all be mothers. That is so crazy to me. Um, just because, you know, y'all know my love affair with Destiny's Child. And just the fact that I've been rocking with these girls since they were 15 years old. And the fact that they are now, like, married and having children. And it, it's, it's really something to see. Um, it's just funny how you can be so invested in, in, in someone that you, you actually don't know. Because I, I literally feel like I have just, you know, kind of grown up with them. Um, and even though they're, uh, they're about eight years older than me, um, it, it's still interesting watching them grow up. It, it's, it's really something just to see. Um, so shout out to Latoya Luckett. Um, I hope and pray that she has a very healthy baby. Carries full term and all that good stuff. Um, I'm ready for some music too, though. I, I, I have to say, like I miss. I know she'd be on her acting grind and making her coins otherwise. But I, um, Toya Luckett can actually really sing. And uh, as a matter of fact, she just posted a video a few days ago on her Instagram of her singing the chorus of "Now That She's Gone" on the Writings on the Wall album, and it sounded so good. I was just like, man. I'm still pushing for some type of reunion. Um, this year is the 20th year anniversary of Destiny's Child. And um, I don't know. I just really want something. Like, I just feel like the Destiny's Child story is not complete until they all come together for some sort of situation. Um... So I'm really keeping my fingers crossed with that one day. Like, I just feel like I really would just leave the whole situation alone once that happens. Like, of course, I want another album. And if it's just the, you know, the three, Beyonce, Kelly, Michelle, I'm, of course, I'm totally cool with that. However, I feel like the Destiny's Child story is just not complete um, until all girls are just shown together. I mean, honestly, it could just be an appearance <laughs> of Beyonce, Kelly, Michelle, Latoya, and Latavia because we don't care about Miss Farrah Franklin. Sorry, not sorry. Um, but I, that's when I feel like the Disney's Child story, that book can just finally be closed and we can just say, okay, Disney's Child is officially over in a thing of the past and, you know, left on a high note. But anyway... That's just my wishful thinking, since they do say they all supposedly get along now. There's no beef and all of that. So, um, my champagne roast goes out to all you internet trolls. I am so sick of you internet trolls. Um, it really started off of um, I found out Latoya. You know, I found I follow Latoya looking on Instagram. I also follow Latavia. As I do all of this since child members. Um, but I found out actually scrolling on Latavia. Uh, I, when I was scrolling, Latavia came up on my time or my whatever you want to call it. And um, she congratulating Latoya. And all these comments underneath were like, you always mentioning them and they don't never mention you for being so thirsty. And oh, this is my shit. This is Pebbles, y'all. The manager of TLC. This is her 
big single. The song that was playing before was her as well, but I, that was her first single, but I love the song. Anyway, um, but yeah, like all these comments were underneath, you know, calling her thirsty and saying that she's, you know, desperately trying to get the attention of the girls of Destiny's Child and blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, oh my God, like, why are people so miserable? And it just made me think about internet trolls in general. Like, I never make negative comments online, like, whether that is um, on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, or any of that. I just don't comment negative things. And I actually don't comment very often at all um, because it always starts something. Um, I remember the first time I ever commented on something ever um, was on a YouTube video. There's a singer. I don't know what he's doing these days, but anyway, his name was DJ Young. And he did a cover of, uh, he did a gospel medley, but it was like a, a like a Destiny's Child rendition of a gospel medley. And he sang the shit out of that song, and out of the medley. And I left the, and I'm a, I, at the time I was a huge, uh, like amateur singer, uh, like person on YouTube. Like I would love, I would watch so many people do cover songs on YouTube. And I had seen many, many, many people, and I just felt like he was the best male singer that I had seen on on YouTube thus far. And I made a comment basically saying that. And I remember he commented and was, you know, just so nice and humble and everything. But some other fool comes behind and comments and was like, get off his dick, you fag. He's not gay and this and that. And I'm like, whoa, like, calm down, bro. Like, what? And that was my first experience in just, like, that whole, like, crazy, aggressive, like, internet bully thing. You know, of course, me being a part of the Beehive, you know, I see it happen all the time. You know, people drag people for filth in the comments section about Beyonce. And I even that, I've never commented on anything about Beyonce. And I love her, but I just don't want to get in the mix like that. Um... And then as of recently, like, I think the last time I commented on something was on a Real Housewives of Atlanta fan page on Instagram. And I commented something, uh, I think it was regarding Sheree, because I, I actually really like Sheree. And and uh, it was something that had to do with, like, Sheree and Nene and their BS. And uh, I basically was just kind of defending Sheree. And somebody literally was like, go kill yourself, something, something, something. Like, it was crazy. Like, And I was just like, is this what people do? Like, people really, this is why I don't get in the mix and comment. Like, um, because people just love to argue and be hateful. And I really don't understand this one. Where you follow somebody that you claim you don't like and you comment under every post something mean. I find it a lot under, like, Kim Kardashian. Um, like, really big names like that. Where I'm just like, why are you following her, her every move, just to say something mean? Like, you have a real problem. Like, you have a mental issue. And so for all of you out here, out there who are doing that, like, get a life. Um, one that isn't miserable, because that is really played out. Like, being an internet troll is just so 2008 to me. But, you know, people are still doing that, so whatever. But, uh, yeah, I'm putting your feet to the fire on that one, Internet Trolls. 
But that is my time. I definitely went over a little bit today. So I hope y'all hang in there with me. Uh, this is a very laid back. Uh, y'all wouldn't believe I'm actually almost laying down while I'm recording this. Um, it's kind of late. It's almost midnight, actually. Actually, it is midnight. Um, but I hope y'all enjoyed this one. Um, like I said, I have some exciting things coming up. Gonna be kind of, you know, trying to take this podcast to the next level. Um, I'm just really excited about the things that are coming up that I have in store. So just stay tuned. Uh, again, make sure y'all follow me on social media, Instagram at official underscore Nico. Nico is spelled N-I-C-H-O. And my Twitter is at official underscore Nico and the number one. Um, if you want to hear tonight's playlist, make sure you follow me on Apple Music at Champagne Problems, the number one. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, for those of you who, you know, uh, have been following since week one and continue to listen every week, I really thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. This is so exciting for me to be able to do this every week. Um, I've just been wanting to do something like this for a long time. So I'm just really, really grateful. Like, I, I don't care if two of y'all listen every week. I will continue to do it. I love you guys so much. Thank you. And until next time, cheers. <laughs>